Hello ladies and gentlemen, it is the Baggies Broadcast, it is season 3, episode 17. My name is Luke Hatfield, it is currently 17 minutes past 12 on the 21st of January. I'm joined by two wonderful people, one you'll know very well, I'm sure the other you'll know very well too, um, although it's a very ambitious crossover. The first one, Mr Joe Massey, our regular Albion correspondent. Joe, how are you? I'm alright, I'm alright. A bit disappointed with what we've just seen and I'm not 100% sure we're actually allowed to be here. It is very late and we are completely on our own, aren't we? Yeah, there's no the one, there is no one else in the Hawthorns. There is no one else in the Hawthorns. I haven't actually told anyone we're doing this. We have literally just stayed. We are essentially <laughs> squatting. We are squatting in the Hawthorns. Um, but we're here and we're joined by a very special guest. Yeah, uh, someone, someone, asked, uh, someone mentioned this on Twitter. It's all started on Twitter. Uh, and someone said it could be the most ambitious crossover ever discussed. It's up there alongside when Family Guy made that episode with The Simpsons, I think. Uh, Birmingham Lives, Joe Chapman. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I've been better. That was, uh, that was, yeah, I'm definitely echoing Joe's thoughts there. That was uh, not great. And these results keep coming the way they are and the performances. It's a tad more concerning. Yeah, certainly. Uh, how do you feel about being on an Express and Star podcast with being a Birmingham Live reporter? All right, you're going to... I'm going to... Yeah, well, I'm going to go straight to that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I'm feeling a little bit like behind enemy lines, or frenemy lines, as <laughs> Joe would describe me as being. I um, like to think we've got good working relationship week on week. You haven't asked to be it, have you? You haven't asked your boss if you can go on an Express and Star podcast, have you? No, no. And no, I haven't no. asked my boss if I can have you on. No. <laughs> so this, we are just literally doing what the hell we want here. We are squatting in the Hawthorns <clears throat> and just going rogue. I wonder which boss would be more annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the amount of planning that's gone into this has gone onto the back of a team sheet as well. Nice I, touch. I've planned it's something. Nice touch. I've, I've planned something. Um, less planned than usual. The big question today is whether we can or cannot get a McDonald's delivered to the Hawthorns. To the Hawthorns at half past 12 when we go into a different entrance to everybody else. We've gone for it though. We have gone for I've it. I've got Uber Eats up right now. We've made an order. Hydar is picking it up. So we'll see how Hydar gets on. Up the Hydar. Shall we discuss? Do we have to discuss the game? No, we've done a video on that. But we got, kind of got to discuss it though. 1 0 defeat to Stoke. Yeah. <clears throat> Wasn't great, was it? Shall I start? Go ahead, Joe. So bit, if, if you've watched your video, apologies, because I'm just going to repeat uh, what, I said, what I've just said on there, really. I think, I don't want to give them too much credit, because people don't want to hear it, but I did think Stoke did really well tonight. I thought they, they came with a game plan, they were, they were compact, they, they sat back. They basically, they came for a point and got all three. Mm. Um, I thought to a man, they did their job really, really well. They were really rigid, Every, not, not a single player on Stoke's team um, stepped out of line, really. They completely stuck to the task that Michael O'Neill asked them to do. That said... Oh, you started already. I don't care on this podcast. I really don't. Uh, that's sad. I'm glad you don't care, mate. I'm here at half past 12. I've got a wife and newborn baby at home, a toddler who doesn't sleep through the night. She's and Luke be... is drinking San Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Coke Zero. You don't care. And here's me, like, staying up. My wife's going to be fuming. Um, but yeah, Albion should have won the game. That's the truth of it. The truth is, Stoke basically came in and said to Albion, break us down. Are you good enough to break us down? And Albion, over 90 minutes, did not have the quality to do it. They didn't move the ball anywhere near quick enough in the first half. They, in the second half, they did pick up a little bit. They did improve. But still, I can't remember a clear-cut chance they made. I think Pereira curled a free kick inches wide um, just before half-time. For me, that was the closest they came for at the 90 minutes to score in. Mm. Um, and it's just really, really, really disappointing. And the team that 
look, they've been outstanding this season. For 22, 20, 22 games, they have been absolutely amazing. But today, there was the, the spark wasn't there. It hasn't been there for a few weeks. But it is that spark. Pereira didn't look like he could open the door. Dean Garner, of course, went off so early on. Mm. And look, I think, to be honest, if they were still playing now, they wouldn't have scored it. It was a really disappointing night. Yeah, I mean, Mr Chapman, I mean, what mm. on earth has gone wrong with Albion over the past six games? Because it's been winless for six now. Yeah, uh, the one thing that really struck me this evening was just the lethargy, I think. I don't know what it was regarding maybe the first okay. ten minutes, you're a goal down, you're a Dean Garner down. And they just, it looked like it drained the energy from all of them, which was really, really concerning. When you consider the time they've had on the training pitch to prepare for this game they've had nine days since that Charlton game then you consider that the Charlton game was a good what was it ten days before since the Leeds game because mm. most of them if not all of them didn't play against Charlton in the FA Cup so mm. we're kind of hitting them over the head with this idea that you're tired and you're fatigued but should they be when you consider that actually they've only played two matches in 20 days, most of them. I mean, we saw Bilic last Friday. He was actually genuinely at beat, wasn't he? About the fact they'd had this time on the training ground. He was like in, almost enthused by it. He really yeah. felt they'd been boosted by having that break. Yeah. But we didn't see that at all today. They looked, like you said, a little lethargic, didn't they? they looked- I don't know how much of a Dean Garner <clears throat> factor that is because it must be the same for the players as it is for the fans and, the, and us as the media who love watching him play. I've got to admit, when I was making my way to the Hawthorns this, this afternoon, or yesterday afternoon, uh, I, it was one of the things I was really looking forward to was being seeing Grady Diangana back on the left wing and the way he combines with Pereira throughout the game and of course that affects everybody else and you won't he won't want to make he doesn't want to make any excuses he mentioned in his press conference after the game he didn't want to rest on that as being a reason why Albion lost the game today but you've got to think well that meant Pereira they moved out of position and then Pereira had to come back inside and then Al Robson Carney moved out of position. And all of a sudden, it's square pegs, round holes. Mm. Yeah, they. I mean, they certainly huffed and puffed second half, but they never really looked like blowing the door down, did they? I mean, it was just... <clears> a, you saw, like, because they, they brought on Zahor early on, and then we saw Chaza come on as well, and it turned into basically a 4-2-4 late on. You know, where you had Pereira on the left and, and Phillips still there on the right, but just lacked ideas, didn't they? The Pereira point is a good one. I think today, tonight in particular, I can't really think to the last couple of games, but there was three men on Pierre Pereira tonight at all times. As soon as he got on the ball, three Stoke players just swarmed around him. And I think, I don't know what Joe thinks, but I think, look, Pereira's doubly marked now. He's always going to be doubly marked because he was so good in the first stage of the season. I think when Dean Garner's not playing, three men mark him. That is, that is the difference. Dean Garner and Pereira are two players that are doubly marked, but when Dean Garner's not there... It allows the opposition to focus even more on Pereira, and just the players around them just aren't aren't, aren't stepping up really. It got <clears> to him a little bit as well because there's some frustration showed. And I'll tell you what, another day he could have saw a red card. Well, he might still, you know, <laughs> he might still get that ban. You never know. Depends how the FA or the EFL or whatever it is, uh, I suppose, kind of translate that as mm. what it what it is. Was it just a swing of the arm that was? in an attempt to get the ball ahead of um, Joe Allen for the throw-in? Or was it malicious? Was there, was there intent there? I don't know. <clears throat> it looked uh, malicious to me. Yeah, it didn't look great. I've got to be honest, it didn't look great there and then. And my immediate reaction was they've got he's got away with one. And Billich didn't give anything away post-match, and neither did Michael O'Neill, to be fair. So. Yeah. I mean, it's very <clears> much <throat> an issue. Was Did the referee actually see it? 
because he, mm. he went over and had a word with them both, didn't he? But you feel like if he saw it, then they can't. That's the case, isn't it? If he, if, he's, if he sees it and notes it in his report, then they can't do any kind of retrospective action, can they? Yeah, that's our understanding, isn't it? They've got to they've got to mention it in that report. If he misses it completely, then they can go back to it. I don't see how. Oh, I don't know. I I don't know. I think he must have missed it. That must be a that'll be a nightmare game if if indeed he gets a three match ban. You lose Grady Diangana for <clears throat> the foreseeable with a hamstring injury. What looks like a hamstring injury, I should say. Mm. Yeah. And then a three match ban for violent conduct for Pereira. All of a sudden, those two transfers that they need all become all the more uh, urgent. See, I just said this on the video. I'm not against Pereira, Diangana, or whoever being injured or suspended at the minute because Bilic needs things need to freshen up. There needs to be a refresh. Which everyone's talking about signings for that matter. That's what that's that's the idea, isn't it? Get signings and give everyone a little lift. I think they've been worked out tactically. That's my thing at the moment. I've got a big thing about 4-2-3-1. I don't think many teams play it anymore. To be fair, Stoke did today. Um, but a lot of teams play three in the middle. I think in the first half of the season, Livermore and Sawyer's cope with that so well. But I don't think either of them have been as influential um, this last sort of five, six games. Maybe maybe longer. Mm. Um, and I, as much as everyone wants sign-ins, and don't get me wrong, I want sign-ins. They need sign-ins. Um, I would like to see a little bit of a tactical shift just to freshen things up a little bit. That Obviously, the big question <clears> that is then, okay, you move away from 4-2-3-1, what do you do with Pereira? Well, that's why, look, if... I think you can't not play Pereira. You can't not play Pereira. And I think Mateus Pereira is the best player in the championship. But if if he is suspended for three games, I won't be like crying like... To me, it's not the end of the world. Because I think maybe they just need a shift just to try something a little bit different just to give opposition teams something more to think about Romain Sawyer said it post-match he said we've been, we've been sussed out we were sussed out tonight um, and fair play to Stoke they did it really really well but I do, I do think they have been sussed out a little bit and I think things could I think maybe going three in the middle I mean they won at Blues going three five two, didn't they or whatever formation yeah. it was I mean Kyle Edwards and Dan Alpha along were so far forward they were basically yeah. playing as the strikers they weren't wing backs but I don't know. Can you go through a whole season playing just one system, one formation? I think is our McDonald's here. I've got a McDonald's update. All oh, right. It's time to meet Hydar at the door. Buzzing. There's no way he's he's found the right door. Who's going? Now that is the mother of all questions. Oh, stuff it. I'll go. Oh, Joe Massey's going. Do you want to take the phone? Yeah. Take the phone. Probably best. Make sure you leave the door open. Don't get locked out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> He's a good lad, any odds. At least he's got the phone. Then, if he is going to get locked out, at least he can contact us. That would yeah. add another particularly interesting angle to this already interesting podcast. It's <laughs> new word. Um, while Joe is picking up our food so lovingly, um, what did you make of the change at the back? We saw Hagazi mm. come in for Ajayi. I, for one, was shocked. I mean, I can understand why you're doing it. They've been susceptible to set pieces, ball in the air. Hagazi is up. I'd argue the best defender in the air for Albion, um, despite not playing so much this season. But I think you lose a lot when you lose a joy. Yeah. Well, we were talking recently about the, the centre-back situation and if there was to be a change at the back, then what do you do? And um, Joe said it himself, that he'd probably go with Bartley as being the man that would be dropped because of mm. because of uh, because rather because of Ajoy's uh, pace and athleticism. The fact that he allows his full-back, in this case Darnell Furlong, to be a little bit more um, forward-thinking. Yeah. And 
I was surprised to be honest that he that he went with Ajay. Ajay has definitely looked a little shaky in mm. the last few weeks. This thing that he's the only player that's played every minute for Albion up until today, I think probably told on him a little yeah. bit at Charlton. Uh, and of course, you know, he got the goal against Leeds, but recently he's not been his commanding self. Mm. Uh, I, I just don't think the experiment worked. We want to call it experiment. I don't know whether that's too strong a term, but, you know, Agazi looked very fresh. Yeah. It, it, it's one thing keeping out Charlton's under 15s as he did in the Cup game. Yeah. But, all of a sudden, you've got a very, very lively Tyrese Campbell and Tom Ince running at you. Uh, and he just didn't deal with it. They built to the goal. Yeah, I mean, the goal was... I mean, do we have to talk about the goal? There were so, there were so many Albion players that made mistakes, but Hagazi was one of them. Oh, yeah. It's it's a real kind of uh, just cliche these days, but it was a catalogue of errors. Yeah. <laughs> and, and whether you want to blame Livermore for giving the ball away or Townsend for being caught under the ball and out of possession... Uh, out of position whether you want to blame Carl Bartley for letting Campbell run in on goal without tracking him yeah Garzi obviously for not clearing it and I've seen even one or two fans suggest Johnston might have done better uh, yeah it, it was just in the space of 10 seconds just absolutely catastrophic um, and of course it comes a week after Albion after Slava Bilic was so so irate with the goals they conceded at Charlton the set pieces but you can't you can't account for that that just mm. open play individual errors and, and the, of course then immediately Stoke got something to hold on to yeah which is what you imagine Stoke wanted I mean we discussed it in the video myself and Joe they very much set up for a point um, and got three but when you hand them a goal like that you're, you're helping them out massively yeah it's just a it's, it's just a tough one to take isn't it but immediately I mean, you can see the tails are up Danny Bart. Liam Lindsay at the back, Bruno Martin and Zindi are all saying, well, come on, that's what you got. Yeah, yeah. And they are more than happy to head everything away and boot everything up the other end of the pitch. The second half, pretty much from the off, was attack versus defence. Yeah. Apart from the one time where Gregory got set through only because Townsend gave the ball away. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he skewed one wide. Other than that, I can't remember anything they actually did in Albion's half. No, no. So certainly were quite happy to sit back and mm. absorb all that pressure, weren't they? I mean... This side, this Albion side, looks completely different to the one which tore Swansea a new one. I mean, um, it's just amazing the drop off, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, that game did seem to be the kind of peak of the of the of the climb, if you like. Mm. You remember after that game, just the goals they scored, Pereira, absolute genius, and uh, you just thought to yourself. Oh. They can't get any better. Here we go. Being interrupted he's, by he's a man come. with two big paper two bags. Two massive it's McDonald's bags. Ah, oh dear. Take your breath back and then. <laughs> they didn't park. They didn't come to our door. So I had to. Got three messages from the courier. How I do bur- I get inside? I've arrived. <laughs> I burst out the half once a police car drove straight past. I was like, well, what must they think I'm doing? They're taking all the Stoke fans back in a, in a, in a single uh, police car. And then. God, if you you need to you, do some cardio, you oh, do. Mate, I'm so unfair. You pour over uh, two humongous bags of McDonald's. I've got two yeah. kids, mate. I don't do anything. Go on, mate. You're just in time for under the massive microscope, by the way. Thank I can't you. believe you two just been carrying on. We just carried on without you, mate. Don't worry. Practical analysis. Mate, it's my Wait. bloody podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote for the ages. It's you've my let, bloody podcast. You've let your rivals muscle in, now. So. Some old news, isn't it? I say, I say in this game. <laughs> All right, so we've got our McDonald's. Turns out. You can get food delivered to the Hawthorns at oh, gone midnight. And you're not supposed to actually be here. 
We don't know that. We don't know that. No. Um, anyway, Joe, what's under your microscope this week? Oh, I'm, you want me to go now, dear? Yeah. 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 Okay, so what I want to talk about this week is bids for players. <laughs> what are you two laughing at? This podcast is... It's fallen into anarchy, this is. Um, what are we going to do? We can't eat while we're talking, can we? We'll, 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 we'll eat while you're talking. Should we pause? Then, <laughs> shall we pause? Can you sort that food out, Jay, while I Thanks, talk about what I want to talk about? <clears throat> so, yeah, what I want to talk about is uh, bids for players. What are you laughing at? Sorry. It's, like, it's, it's, like it's the noise, isn't it? It's like a comical straw noise, yeah. So a lot of people on Twitter messaging me saying, have we bid for players? Have we put a bid in for anyone? Has there been... And I wanted to explain sort of the bidding process because the truth is, really, bids just aren't made anymore. I'm massively out of breath. Uh, so, uh, I think people think that, basically, like, people, I don't know, technical directors or whatever, submit bids... They go into work at 9am, there's a bid on the table and they decide to accept it or reject it. That is obviously, that's just not the case. I can't talk. I'm gone. I'm gone. <laughs> really is struggling our Joe Massey here. I have to sprint all, like, after, after way down one stand. Just blame the fact that you've got a newborn son that's keeping you up all night. That is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, I don't do any fitness at all. So yeah, basically, <laughs> the, the way it was, So the what way I want to say is the way it works, works is, so say Albion's technical director is Luke Dowling. Yeah. So if, he, if, if Albion are interested in a player, he will ring that club and say, oh, we're interested in signing so-and-so. We're willing to pay £6 million for it. I imagine club, a lot of time this doesn't even get done by phone call. It's probably like a WhatsApp message. And the club, I think it is phone calls. I think it is phone calls. Do you reckon? Yeah. And then the club say, well, um, we, we value him at £10 million. Um, and Dallin will say, right, well, we'll have to go away and think about that, blah, 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 blah. And then he might ring back and say, <clears throat> we'll just like, we had a chat and we're willing to give you 7 million plus, uh, 1 million in, uh, 1 million over the next 24 months. Like X number of appearances X or what if you make England squad Bits or and bobs like that. And then they'll go away and say, yes or no, blah, 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 blah. But what, <clears throat> what I'm trying to get at is, what I've been told is, b- bids don't, when a bid is submitted, basically you know it's going to be accepted. Yeah. Because you've already been through the process. You've already had multiple phone calls. Um, you already know what the player, what it will take to land that player. Mm. So, Unless, what, and on maybe the odd, the odd situation where maybe the goalposts are moved at like last minute. There will be occasions where bids can rest on the table. So someone might say, oh yeah, we want, we're happy to sell this striker, but we're not going to sell him until we get a striker in. So in that case, you can maybe submit a £7 million bid and it will just sit there. But... By and large, you just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. There's no need if you there's no need to submit that initial six million pound bid if the team wants ten million for it. I mean, it's just no point, it's just paperwork for paperwork. So what we've been told is, what we understand is that <clears throat> Albion are basically in a position where they know what they have to bid to land their targets. Yeah. So all the conversations, all the work has been done. They know what they have to shell out to get these players in. With the January window, prices tend to change at the last minute. Teams become more desperate. They either become more desperate to sign players or more desperate to get rid of them. So that's why I think Joe's expecting the same. We're both expecting a fairly quietish week. We're expecting next week to be when it really, really picks up. It's always the case, isn't it? Because dominoes tend to fall and then clubs will say, OK, we can let this person go or we can't let this person go. So you kind of know that in that last week of the window is normally when it picks up. Yeah. Yeah, it's when the peop- it's when the clubs are going to be particularly desperate 
especially in the January window, where it, it, it just, I mean, it's the 21st of January now, it's crazy. There's only 10 days left. Yeah. It just absolutely flies by. Uh, and it is that domino effect where there'll probably be one significant move that takes place in the Premier League or the Championship. And then all of a sudden, within the space of a few hours or a few days, you'll see a number of others because it just frees up frees up deals, frees up players being allowed to leave respective clubs. Mm. Obviously, agents at that point are obviously very, very active. Um, at Albion, I don't think are going to be any different. I think Albion are expecting all of their incomings and outgoings to be... Well, not that they are under the any pressure to sell or loan or whatever, but I think uh, it will be particularly interesting for a week, the, the, the Monday commencing after the West Ham FA Cup game. Mm. I suppose the only question is whether tonight has rammed it up. If what I'm saying is true, and that, well, and it is true, that Albion know what they have to shell out to get these players in, is tonight's performance going to make them think, actually, we will act a little bit quicker? The only thing is, because they've got an FA Cup game next, I don't think it will, but I'm not sure. Here's a it question. Might. I'm going to kind of commandeer the microscope for a second. I'm really interested. I think the listeners might be as well. Because I, I work a slightly different job to you guys. You both are dedicated club reporters. I'm, I'm a little bit different, so I'm a digital sports journalist who kind of bounces around clubs. Everyone, people who listen to this podcast regularly quite know, know that quite well now. For you guys over January, how do you go about digging up a story? Oh, I'm, I'm really you can't intrigued. Ask journalists, huh? I'm not asking for your sources. That's I'm the not, one I'm, question. I'm not, I'm not asking that. I'm just saying, is it? Do you get tip-offs from agents? Do people ring you trying to feed you a line? Does that happen? Go I've on, Joe. Some, you can take that. I've had some funny agents. That ba- agents are interesting characters, actually. Generally, we're obviously very fortunate that the club that we deal with <clears throat> will, more often than not, be able to tell us whether things are right or wrong. Or, mm. you know, I'll always look to run it by the club because. They're not going to hide anything away if I come with them with an answer or a name or whatever. They'll more often than not stand it up or knock it down. That's mm. fine. But you do get agents that come to you saying, well, oh, West Brom are interested in this guy and I've met with Luke Dowling. And and you look them up and they're legit, but they are literally just trying to get their player, their, their client to move. Because it happens all the time, doesn't it? I remember, I always remember... So murky. When Philippe Coutinho joined Liverpool... Two weeks before, he was linked with a move to Villa, <laughs> and it was never going to happen. But you get the, like, and it kind of all emerged like the, the the agent was just trying to ramp up the price because he was like, yeah. "We need to get Liverpool to commit to buying Coutinho from Inter Milan at the time." I think it was. Let's say, let's get it in the press that Villa are interested in him, and Liverpool might cack their pants a bit and and submit a bid, or as you said, push the deal through. Yeah, it does happen, doesn't it? It's so, um, yeah, it's so like political and business side of things. Is, uh, it's something that I take quite an interest in, but from afar, really, because it is, you need to be so kind of, I think, fine tuned with that respective area of football. Um, you know, we, we at Birmingham Live, we've got, <laughs> our, uh, we've got our kind of own respective football finance writer. So mm. he, he's, if there's anything, and of course, at this patch of the, uh, 
footballing world, you've got so many different aspects of what's happened with Aston Villa in recent years, with Birmingham City in recent years, and of course with Albion. Um, anything that comes out, we kind of leave it to that kind of department on our desk. But uh, it is it is very, very interesting. Of course, it, it becomes very, very much brought to the fore in the next next couple of weeks. Interesting. Um, I'll just say I don't like dealing with agents. You don't? No, I do know a few. I've spoke to a few this window. Um, but... Does it, is there always an agenda? Is that why? I feel... Yeah. It's a bit of a weird one, really. Like, they don't... They only need us for a reason. Um, mm. If everything's going swimmingly, if their client has got the move they want, if they're... Like, they're, they, don't, they don't ever need to ring the press. Mm. Like if it's not our job to get someone to move to whoever they're going to join, is it? Yeah. So for, if an agent does ring and say, "Oh, so and so is interested," Albion are interested in so and so or whatever, immediately I am suspicious. Yeah. Do you speak to agents? I think like the way I kind of work it is, if you know an agent who, who has got a few play- younger players, tend to be quite good. Mm. If you know an agent who knows who has a few younger players, you can get to know him and then get to know the players through them and then you can build up a relationship and go from there. It's all about, so it is about trusting them really but, the, but I think a lot of them, if you get a call out of the blue from an agent, particularly one you haven't heard of from in a while. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> same goes the other way as well. Like I, I mean, I'll just, there's no point in hiding. I, I rung Lyle Taylor's agent mm. because um, there was links with him to Albion, wasn't there? Yeah. And uh, it was very, very easy to find his number. I literally Googled it um, yeah. and rung him and quite rightly, sort of didn't tell me anything and said, like, who, who, he, I could have been anyone. Um, mm. <clears throat> so, I don't know, I think agents are a strange one. I think whenever you hear from them, there's a, it's on their terms rather than yours. Yeah. Never t- they, unless you've got a relationship going back a few years. Um, yeah, I think it's, I don't, I don't like dealing with them. Really interesting. Um, I've got a segment. <laughs> oh, hit and miss. <laughs> um, I've got three hits, three misses, then we're going to get on to questions, and then we're going to wrap up. You've got three misses? I've got three misses, mate. Misses is. <laughs> it's a good job my actual missus doesn't listen to this. <laughs> um, first one, hit. Um, kind of a good little segue from what we just said. It's still the bloody transfer window. So, although Albion are in this blip, they can bring in players to try and sort this blip slash slump out. Yeah. Yeah. Which should actually, <laughs> which should actually really, I think he should said it himself, refresh the squad. But I do look at certain players on the pitch and think it doesn't matter what they do really. There's just no, there's nobody on their on their heels to worry about. So hmm. I'm not digging out. I don't want to dig out individual players, but people like Matt Phillips, for example. Matt Phillips has obviously contributed a number of goals this season and assists. But in the last few weeks, I think his form has dipped on an individual level, mm. where he's just not. I saw a stat earlier, actually, after after full time, he didn't complete a dribble in this game, and you just think, well, what do you do if you wanted to change up? If you wanted to give Matt Phillips a breather, or or even just drop him because of, of his lack of form recently, what do you do? Yeah, the only person who can really play in his position at the moment is Pereira. Yeah, because he's known to play on the right and cutting onto his left foot. But then uh, you, you're arguably removing Pereira from his best position on the pitch, which is the ten, the hole. Dean Garner can play on the right. Yeah, 
Uh, he played. I think he's played most of his football for West Ham on the right. But obviously, he's injured. But yeah, he's also on the treatment table. So. Um, that's an option now. If he wasn't, if he was fit, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to trust Carl Edwards from the start, does he? Uh, no, and he doesn't seem to trust Chris Willock from any from any thing. any. Trust given him, him. Put him in the bloody squad, does he? No. Um, Strange really, Chris Willock. Actually, um, I went to watch him the other week when Albion beat Reading in the twenty threes, and they were two 0 down at half time looked well beaten to be honest with you and to be fair Dion Burton brought Callum Morton on and they, they changed uh, he's a centre forward and they they changed their uh, formation and Willock got a hell of a lot more of the ball scored a couple of fantastic goals uh, set Ray and Tullock up for uh, another and then conceded a penalty right at the end when it was 3-2 and it was just little it was quite a soft penalty but it was just moments like that where you thought to yourself Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the defensive side of his game that Bilic and the Albion coaching staff have concerns mm-hmm. about. There's a reason he's not. It's not like Bilic has got a vendetta against him. If he if he if he considered him to be a, a decent option, he'd have been included on the bench. From I don't think a lot of Albion fans are expecting him to start every week. But equally, well, it's he, a similar position that Raheem Harper's in, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Although Raheem Harper did feature in the in the cup. Yeah, and, and impressed, and, and well, Bilic yeah. was very happy with him after that game. So, if you if Albion signed one player this window, only one player, what position would you want it to be? Because I think for me it would be a winger. Yeah, me too. I think someone that, because I suppose wingers are probably the most versatile position, aren't they? If you can play on the left, there's more often than not a chance you play on the right. Yeah. Edwards could play both. Dean Garner could play both. Phillips has played both tonight. Somebody that can play on by either side of um, Pereira and just off the forward, whether that be in a four-three-three or a four-two-three-one, something like that, I think would be top of my wishes. I've also got reservations about Albion's depth in midfield. I think they can muddle through the centre forwards they've got. To be honest with you, between mm. any of the season, I really do. But when Saws and Livermore in the coming weeks get suspended, which they will, because they just can't escape. They've got 10 games or 9 games to go now before they get their uh, basically reprieve. And one of them's on 8 and one of them's on 7. I just don't know if both or either of them will Livermore survive. certainly won't. So, where do you go then? Do you go Barry? Do you go Brunt? Do you go Kravinovic? Do you go Ajay? Do you go Harper? Another another you know decent level championship midfielder would be also on my list, I think. Yeah. Um, one miss. Uh, and we did... Touch it on, touch on him already. Grady Dean Garner, two minutes in, does his hammy. Is this um, what we think is his hammy? Um, is this Albion rushing him back? Because Bilic seemed to say that that wasn't the case. And to be fair, I kind of side with him because he did play against Charlton. Yeah, yeah, he played half an hour <clears> against Charlton. <throat> very sharp. Uh, I thought he, I thought he looked bright. He tried to get involved. Let's be. Fair that we did expect him back against Leeds on New Year's Day, hmm. and he was given a further ten days after that before we actually hmm. saw him. So it's not like it's not like they've gone. Oh, we need to crowbar him into the side the first opportunity because I expected him to start last week and he didn't. Yeah. So they've given him a further nine days after that half an hour, more training. It just makes you think it's just like kind of just a freak recurrence. 
Yeah. I'm such a slow eater in life, by the way. I never finish first. So the fact that I've finished first means I, I haven't done any talking. You've left yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah, we've been doing a lot of the talking. Sorry. Um, what I will <laughs> say about the Angana injury, just by chance I was looking at Diangana when it happened. They were kind of... Albion had won the ball back, I think, and he was sprinting to try and get into position. And as he did it, he slipped on the turf a slight bit. Like, I don't know where his stud got caught in it and he maybe slipped. But I think that's what... I don't think the hamstring going triggered that. I think that triggered the hamstring going. If it is his hamstring, I should... Yeah, I should, it's I, a back I keep saying hamstring and it, I shouldn't because we don't know yet. Um, but I think that's what triggered... It. So it's almost a little bit of a freak one as opposed to... Although it's exactly the same leg like Billich said. I think it's... Uh, just an unlucky coincidence. A lot of people are talking about this on Twitter, aren't they? Billich said himself is very, very strange. The truth is, he did play against Charlton. He has had ten days worth of training since that nine days worth of training since that Charlton game. He's obviously been pushed and trained into. He's obviously completed all those training sessions. Billich doesn't rush players back. Um, no. It's just it's unfortunate. It's really, really unfortunate. Mm. Um, but there's no there's no rushing players back there. And where does it leave him in terms of this alone? I mean, there's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? So the loan's a real big like talking point now because I saw Diangana walk walk away tonight. He, when I went to the mix zone where the players leave, and well, and uh, yeah, he was hobbling, he, and he looked, he was fury, he was, he looked, he had a face of thunder, he looked absolutely miserable. No stopping him at the mix zone. Uh, no, and. Uh, he certainly wasn't walking in the way where you expect him to. It, it wasn't. It wasn't just the niggle. It looked quite serious. So you you guess it. I mean, you, look, I'm basing it on having watched him walk out the ground. So absolutely no medical knowledge whatsoever. But you man, it looks. It looks a couple of weeks, four to six weeks. If it's the same thing again, where does it leave alone? That's a huge question because look, Albany are trying to do everything they can to get him back. They, they're going. They, they're desperate to keep him. The truth is, in my mind. Their number one transfer target this January window is Grady Diangana. That's the player they want, they want to keep Grady Diangana. That's like the old, that's the deal they're, they're desperate to do. Um, but they're supposed to pay an extra one point five million pounds because West Ham know that they're desperate to keep him and they really want to keep him. That that loan deal, <clears throat> where does that stand now? When he's not going to when he's not going to play for when he might not play for X amount of weeks. Um, Loan did also includes three million to keep him next season. They're trying to negotiate that as well. Do Albion just have to take the hit um, and pay it all? So they've got him for the final, I don't know, fifteen games and next season as well. So it's it's going to they'll have to talk about it. They're going to have to talk about it. Mm. Um, I think Albion need to know before <clears throat> before the twenty seventh. Yeah, because you can't. Which is that Monday, isn't it? But the, the new loan deal gets rid of the. The, the callback doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it would it would do. I don't think you'd be calling him back in the middle of the season, but I think it's just a case of David Moyes and Slavin Milic need to open a bottle of wine and Have sort it out, sort it out on Saturday before the game, after the game, whatever you like. Yeah, um, another hit. I mean, we're in the mini crisis, Slavin Milic calls it, and Albion are still top. Yeah, it's not all bad news. <laughs> no, I mean, and Leeds are doing if better, if not. An equal job of, of messing themselves up at the moment. It's not all bad news, but they were 13 points clear a third, and they're now five. Yeah. Which will be three. Is that right? No, yeah. If, if Forest if win. If Forest win their game in hand. 
Um, if Forest win the game in either, be how many points clear? Three, I think. Three. Three clear Forest. Um, <clears throat> that might be wrong, but it's, at the end of the day, a 13 point gap has evaporated very, very quickly. Um, and that's why you can't be. That's why everyone's in in the mood they're in, really. That's why you can't. That's why Southern Village said it's a mini crisis. It is a, it is a mini crisis. They've lost their way, haven't they? They've lost their spark. We've said the, the same things that we said earlier, but that's what Billich has said. They have lost their spark. Mm. Tonight was a massive game. I said that before before it started. They just need to get back to winning ways. They need to find. They just need to grind out results. I mean, you never thought they'd be grinding out results um, earlier in the season. They just seem to have too much for everyone. But um, it is a mini crisis. Big question is: Are Albion doing a Leeds, or are Leeds doing an Albion? That is <laughs> the question that he's answering this evening before this podcast ends. I think that might be the title of this podcast episode. You know, you're welcome. Oh, West Brom doing a Leeds. <laughs> Don't call it that. That'll go down well. Don't call it, it that. Um, to be fair, I've got to just make a quick point that I did think kudos to a lot of Leeds fans tonight who were very much in solidarity with Albion. Yeah. Yeah, sharing empty bottles and stuff on Twitter. And, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically just fully anticipating the uh, automatic promotion places going to the entirety of West London <laughs> in the coming weeks. Uh, one more uh, well in fact we've got two more misses but the first one is um, is Nathan Ferguson angling for a move away because we expected him to be fit today wasn't in the squad Bilic afterwards said he thought he'd be okay and then a small problem didn't read I mean maybe I'm reading between the lines here I think you have to read between the lines yeah yeah yeah. I wouldn't blame anybody for being particularly (coughs) suspicious or whatever got told before the game that it was a minor setback it's got Johnny but Evans written all over it this does it's a little bit yeah you do wonder whether it's even worth having him out there if even if he is fully fit if his head's not there because we've seen it already how many times has he been taken off at half time the last few weeks it's happened it's happened two or three times where he's just looked off it or you know performance levels haven't been there that were there for the previous 15-20 games and I mean as Towns had had a rough night tonight, I thought. Towns did have a rough night. He's had a rough couple of weeks, really. and he's. I think there's a lot to say with the Ferguson situation. I don't think it's as like clear-cut as everyone. everyone you have to, there's two things I want to say about the Nathan Ferguson situation in terms of just, just, flipping, just changing the narrative a little bit, really. Because everyone's just out there going, he should sign, he should sign, what's he doing, what's he playing at? Look, I absolutely, genuinely believe Nathan Ferguson should stay here. Mm. I think he's got a manager who believes in him. He's, he will play every week. He needs games. I've, I've said before as well, I'd never sign a player on half a season. Players mm. hit form. That's a simple, like, mm. someone coming in now and paying five, six million pounds for a player who's played half a season. I think it's ridiculous. I, I, would, I don't care how good he's been. I would not be buying him if I was a Premier League side. Yeah. But just to defend Nathan Ferguson, just, to, just a, a bit more clarity, I think, you, you have to remember that he was, he was not really in the first team picture before Slavin Bilic turned up. Slavin Bilic has... has, has for want of a better expression, has kind of made his Albion career. He, 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 he's out of contract, Ferguson, for a reason this summer. Mm. That six months ago, well, before Slavin Bilic arrived, West Bromwich Albion weren't desperate to keep him. There was no, we have to keep Nathan Ferguson. And I think that must be in Nathan Ferguson's mind. He could, if Slavin Bilic wasn't Albion manager, there's a very good chance that Nathan Ferguson could be in a position where he's playing for the under-23s, and set to be released at the end of the season. Be playing League Two football next year. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's a very real possibility. So, like, Nathan Ferguson does owe Slavon Bilic a lot. He owes Albion a lot. But, but football, football moves the way it moves. If clubs don't want you, they'll get rid of you very quickly. Um, so, I can understand why, on one hand, Nathan Ferguson is being cautious and seeing what options he's got out there. On the other hand, he gets paid, in, in footballers' terms, the lad gets paid pennies. And if compared to what some of his teammates are on, they are being paid an awful lot more money than he is. Um, and he is, ter- he is not signing that contract. He could have signed the contract on the table, which we're told is a very good contract. We know it's five years. Um, we know it's been upped. We know that, like, that, that when they have negotiated, he's being offered more money now than he was at the start. So he, every passing week, Nathan Ferguson is waving goodbye to an awful lot of cash. Um, so I... I I do, my God, I do think he should sign. I think he, I do, I, but I, do, I think he's mad not to sign. But I can understand why he has been a little bit reluctant and he wants to see what options are out there. Yeah. Joe, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. My concern is if he does go <clears throat> this month, which is unlikely, to be fair, because the odds are he'll either stay with Albion for the rest of the season, sign a new contract, or he might be speaking to clubs abroad as is his right this month. I still think he'll still be here. But say, on the off chance that he does go in the next 10 days, that's going to leave Albion in a real pickle at fullback for me because you've got Dan Furlong as the sole right back. Mm. I know Dar O'Shea played there the other week and did okay. But he's not a right back though, is he? If no. Ferguson goes, they absolutely have to sign another fullback. I know you've got Martin Olsen there because Kieran, Kieran Gibbs is fantastic, but he's made a glass... Uh, and Connor Townsend can Connor Townsend play 18 games 19 games at the end of the season 19 minutes should Connor Townsend really be playing for it I'm, bless him he's he's had some good games but is he really promotion quality championship side standard what he is is what he is which is a third choice left back at a championship club it's not it's, I mean it's pretty incredible really that there's not many third choice players who would play as many times as Connor Townsend does. Like, mm. I, bet, I, bet you, I bet you can't name a better third choice left back than Connor Townsend. The, the situation is, as Joe said, Kieran Gibbs has made a glass and we don't know what's going on with Nathan Ferguson. Mm. Um, I think in, in hindsight, you can't. Like the reality is, if you start the season with Gibbs as your first choice and Ferguson as your backup and Townsend as your backup to your backup, I think most people are happy with that. Um, the problem is, well, it sounds harsh. The problem is, but he is playing a lot of games, and he is. Is he? He is. He, look, he's not probably a top six championship fullback, is he? No. Um, but you'd, but you'd definitely take him to be your third choice. Yeah. It's just, it's just again unlucky of injuries. At this mm. moment, he'd be absolutely fine as second choice. It's just I don't know whether you just I don't know if you can trust Kieran Gibbs to be fit for more than a few weeks in a row at this point in time and whether Ferguson even if he's still here where's he going to be mentally mm. yeah that's the issue isn't it he's, he's young Nathan Ferguson he's 19 years old he's got not, yeah, he's, he's making big 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 decisions um, big 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 decisions to leave, to leave to even just leave the area first and foremost to move to move away from I mean he's from Birmingham isn't he yeah, yeah. Um, maybe potentially moving abroad I mean 
who, who knows what sums, sums of money is being offered. So to be in that headspace must be really, really hard. And to, and to also be playing, knowing that all these people are watching you and like there's no security there with him, which is obviously his own doing. He's made that choice by not signing the contract, but it's a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, and he is human. People, we always forget these footballers are human. He's a 19-year-old lad. Every time I've interviewed him, he's been absolutely lovely. Mm. Um, it's, a lot, it's a lot on his shoulders. Certainly is. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sack off these other hitters, hits and misses because we've got... Guess how many questions we got? I put out the tweet an hour ago. Go on. 54 mm. questions. 54? Yeah. Is it, Joe, tell me we're going up? <clears throat> I want to be out here by half one. Joe, are we safe from relegation? <laughs> it's the Billich out tweets that really annoy me. Oh, my life. They really annoy me. Can you imagine that top of the table? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Club statement. That's in the national <laughs> Slavon Billich. No, that'll be Sacking Darren Moore was one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to you one-up that. Uh, first one, Chris WBA. Why were we so poor tonight? Is there something missing? We kind of covered that already. I think the main reason why they were poor tonight was because... Well, there's two reasons. One, that a lot of players are out of form. Too many players are out of form and form is everything. And two, I think Stoke... I think teams have sussed him. Mm. I think and I think that's why they've conceded goals at set pieces. Carl Bartley hinted at that, didn't they? When yeah. we interviewed him the other day, so basically teams have worked out how they're lining up at set pieces. They're exploiting that. The annoying thing is they didn't even need a set piece tonight to beat Albion. Yeah. In that goal that Stokes scored tonight was utterly dreadful. It was a catalogue of errors. It could have been stopped. You don't know where the game goes then. You know, Stoke haven't got, aren't so intent on holding on to something that they've got, that they've been handed. Yeah. Then Albion all of a sudden, if there is a goal, it's going to come from them. Yeah. Stoke, is Stoke going to come back from that? It, it, yeah, it's, a, it's one of those very, very, very difficult to take evenings Man, against teams who against a team who historically love beating them. Yeah, yeah. Managers, I, I've uh, loads of them always talk about what the difference it makes having something to hold on to. Giving them that goal, it lifts you so much. It makes them dig in. It makes them try even harder. And they did it, didn't they? They, they really did dig in, Stoke. Yeah, uh, Ethan, with this bad run of form. Where do you think? Where do you think we should strengthen, and how many transfers do we need? I we said wing is is the big one. Yeah, wingers is the my priority. I love, I love everyone's I'd getting still... very slightly excited about Orsic, aren't they, Mislav Orsic? He's the one I'd really like. If I'm, I mean, let's be honest, I've never seen him play, um, but his goal record's <laughs> good. And he plays for Croatia. He's got great FIFA stats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got unbelievable Just, FIFA stats. He's great right on FIFA. Yeah. So here. Uh, uh, I, do you know what I'd, I'd go? I'd go with that, but also as I said already, I'd reiterate that I think Romain Soares and Jake Livermore need a little bit of serious competition in midfield. You know, who would have been good in midfield. Ryan Woods. Ryan Woods. Mm. I was just going to say that because <clears throat> yeah. he couldn't. He couldn't get a kick at I said, Stoke. I yeah. said that in the office today. He's Ryan a good Woods. Player, He's a great he? little player. He's a very, very natural from the area. Replacement. From the area, knows Romain. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. And what they is, wanted him last summer as well. Uh, the summer before last, I think. And he's off to he's off to Millwall. Is that right? He played. Mm. He played on Saturday. Yeah, unbelievable. I don't <sighs> think I don't think Sawyer's and Livermore are out of form. I really don't. No, I think they just look tired. I think they look t- again. I'm harping on about the same thing. I think they look tired, and they I think people w- have worked them out. I think they're being overrun. Passing passing accuracy tonight was nothing like anything like Romain Sawyer's we've been used to this season. I'd mm. love to just see another player in there with them. I'd like. To, I, I, it sounds a bit mental, but I'd like to see Raheem Harper in there with them. 
that energy, that, the way he got box to box at Charlton, I thought, I mean, look, he only, he only performed really for like 50, 60 minutes at Charlton, but I thought he provided a spark. I had not gone far as trying to get rid of Claudio Jakob. Jakob? <laughs> True story. Reunion. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, Dale Smith, uh, while you're still there, can you find Luke Dowling and don't let him go home until we sign some players? <laughs> I'd like to think Luke Dowling's fast asleep, ready for a big day tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my hope. <laughs> uh, Sol, how did Zahor make it as a professional footballer? That is harsh. For me. Yeah, it, it's you know, <clears throat> half expected him to start this evening only because he was going to find it very, very difficult to drop him uh, after the two goals in two games recently. But cute Slava Bilic dropping him anyway because he knows. I think Bilic knows what's best for the team. He needs to go with the best players he's got. And when you have Pereira and Ian Garner in the team, starting 11, the, you, the way you're going to get the best out of them is by playing Hal robson Carney, who's yeah. on a similar wavelength to them as a, as a, as a, a, a centre-forward. So, of course, the one thing then that posed the question was, why didn't you, why didn't you go Carl Edwards when Ian Garner needed to replace him? Keep robson Carney up front. That was the one thing that puzzled me, really, why you needed to go to Zohor, who had a tough time, really, against uh, two pretty informed centre-backs. Kyle Edwards reminds me massively of Raheem Harper in the sense that it's discipline with him. I think his positioning's all over the show at times and you just don't know. He can lose the ball at any minute. All wingers can lose the ball at any minute but not not like Kyle Edwards. He's too naive for me. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's got loads and loads of potential but I think he's in the squad over... I think he gets a chance over Harper simply because he's a winger and you can sort of afford to lose the ball. Wingers do lose the ball, don't they? You can afford to lose it as a winger, really. You've got to try things, whereas it's more dangerous in the middle of the park. But that's why a winger's so important. I just don't think Edwards is. Mm. Edwards, I don't think Edwards is up to it, really, if I'm being honest. And I don't. And Pereira is just not a winger. Yeah. Uh, GWBA, uh, what has Edwards done wrong that he's not played when he's a logical replacement for Dean Garner? Also, well, Willock, <clears throat> Willock and Tullock scoring very often in the under-23s, why not consider them over one of our three slow strikers? Well, Willock... I'm torn, really, between Willock, between accepting that there is something that he has or hasn't got that Albion, as a club, as a coaching staff, don't like a, a, a trait or an inability or whatever whether that be the defensive side of his game, whether they don't think he could just generally make the step up to championship level. Uh, but what you're saying about Edwards makes you think whether is it worth just one Saturday in the coming weeks having Willock on the bench amongst the subs rather than Edwards? If Willock is not on the bench at West Ham or start, What are going to do? What are you going to do? What's the point? Get to the dugout. They might as well leave, hadn't they? There was rumours that he was, he was linked with a few other clubs, wasn't there, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I just think, I don't know, the Willock thing is a bit of a bizarre one, really. I, look, I, I know managers get things wrong. They definitely, definitely get things wrong. Even Slav. I, but I don't think... But like I, <laughs> I don't think Slav does, no. I don't think that Slav will get it. I don't think he'll get this wrong. Mm. He's obviously getting it from elsewhere as well. He doesn't watch every under-23s game live, but, you know, he must be taking on board what Dion Burton says about him and... You know what his what his, his respective coaching staff members say about Willock, and what of course what he sees with his own two eyes on the training pitch. Willock trains with the first team as a lot of the time as well. So, the bottom line is, I don't think anyone would argue that Matt, Matt Phillips is out of form. His form has dipped. Sorry, I don't mm. think anyone could argue against that. 
I don't think anyone could really argue against that Carl Edwards is raw, a bit erratic, loses possession more often than an established championship winger does. I think they're pretty, they're facts really. And still, Willock doesn't get a chance. So the fact that he's not getting a chance in those circumstances to me says Willock just doesn't, not having him. Callum Haywood, has Joe Massey told his missus he's not going to be back until two in the morning? I have told her. How did she take it? She was asleep. She's fine. She's fine. She'll be up. She's got kids to look after. I thought, I thought you'd be in the doghouse. Too. <laughs> Have I got a McFlurry or not, by the way? You didn't oh, ask for a McFlurry? I did. You said you wanted anything else. He asked for a McFlurry. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. That's all right. As long as it's not, I'm not paid for it and it's not arrived. Yeah, yeah. You've not. I didn't put it on the order. <laughs> That's fine. I'll get one on the way back. Does that hold on? Does that mean. Have you paid him for too much? Yeah. I'll send, you, I'll send you the money back. Send me a pound back. You Don't send me a pound back. Oh my posh coffee in the morning on the way to the office, I reckon. That's all right for him. He's off tomorrow. Of course. I'm yeah. the one that's in. He'll email you I'm the one that's coffee. got two kids. I'm the one that's in work tomorrow, but you're keeping me here because you want to record the podcast. You said you, you wanted to the do baggies. it. You said you, want, you said you wanted to do it. Uh, ben Wood. West Brom seem to have a glass jaw against poorer teams, drawing against Barnsley. Um... Losing against Borough and Stoke. Uh, why is this and can West Brom do anything to solve it? Do you reckon it's because teams sit deeper <clears throat> and yeah. now have been struggling against that? Yeah, I mean, even recently against Leeds, I, I've already said, I, I think Leeds, against Leeds, I thought Albion raised the game from the off. I don't know whether they were just feeding off the atmosphere early on, but they got that goal. It obviously wasn't going to win a goal of the season award, but they got that early goal. The Hawthorns was as loud as I've heard it this season. And... Even when Leeds did assume a bit of control and then got the equaliser, I still thought Albion gave as good as they got after that. Mm. And of course, Edwards might have scored, and it was a million miles away from the performance they put in three days earlier against Middlesbrough, where they kind of almost just accepted defeat, like it was just a result that was coming for a long time. And um, of course, Barnsley again leading a, in a game where they haven't been at it and take their half the ball last minute and drop two points there. Uh, Charlie Austin got them out of trouble at Blues, but again, that was that was kind of a small sign that he is like that kind of big-time player, Derby player. Come off the bench, mm. score two great goals. <sighs> yeah. That's my... In that, in that, in that respect, it's my, your concern is Luton at home in a couple of weeks where you go, hold on, Luton won an away game this year? I don't know. Kind of, kind of won more than one, of, one or two if they have. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they'll be taking taking kind of um, inspiration from these kind of performances of Stoke and Middlesbrough, who have turned up, sat deep, got a goal, held on to what they've got, and done it successfully. It started. I, I don't know if it was started, but I can remember Charlton. I mean, that game was a bit of, turned out to be a bit of a joke in the end, didn't it? Because Shemmy hmm. Jai gave away that penalty that was never a penalty. But I think they came here and they played a three-five-two diamond, which is essentially a three-six-one. <laughs> and they and they dug in and they just they, they I thought that was the day they came with a real game plan to real really just sit back defend and make Albion answer the questions can they break them down and I think ever since that day because they got a result I think a lot of te- lot more teams have done it teams do just dig in against them mm. John Mason when are we announcing Orsic lads Tomorrow, there's an exclusive for you. <laughs> I'm tired, not true. Um, no, he's right, Birmingham Live are doing an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I hope soon, I really, really do. 
Uh, a lot of people asking about latest on transfers. Is there anything else we've heard? Just what I said earlier, as in, like, they know, basically, there's no such thing as a bid, really. It's it's a horrible, horrible thing I have to say, but it is a case of just... Albion know be what patient. they have to pay. Yeah, be patient. It's going to go to the last week, last week we think. Maybe tonight will speed things up a little bit, but it probably won't. And then we'll see what happens next week. Jack Rowley, on a lighter note, and out of curiosity, how does Joe Massey and other reporters doing the game live on Twitter get their tweets out so quick? Is it just, just very quick typing or is there some sort of software sports r- reporters are privy to? <laughs> oh. Hashtag fastest finger. Um, just quick it's typing, just quick it? typing. I take, I take real, real pride in the fact that I beat Massey to every tweet. So You've got the mouse. You? So you, I mean, I've you, got the magic mouse. Do you, are you faster than me? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, but the only time I do beat you. Does, yeah. Doesn't oh. keep the misses up then. <laughs> no, I uh, I have the mouse. My little weird little sensor. Yeah, Joe Ch- Joe Chapman one. brings a mouse with him. Yeah, to I, every I, game. I, I've Old got school. a mouse in my bag actually. I just don't get it out. I mean, oh, no. and of course you've got Tweet Deck, which is genius, which is very very lightning quick. Tweet Deck is. Uh, I haven't got that either. Have you not? No. You he doesn't tick. use. He doesn't use Tweet Deck. Oh. He logs on. Does he schedule tweets? But you, at ten thirty, he'll actually log on to Twitter and do his tweet. Yeah, that baffles me. I, I'm I'm doing tweets for I've done tweets for six a.m. and stuff before I've gone to bed. I'm so like behind the times. Tweet deck is just an absolute staple of any modern day journalist. I'd logged on once and I realised you have to categorise all your followers or something, or you follow all the you people have, you're following. You have columns. You have columns. columns. I was like, ah, oh, columns. Blah, blah, blah. Hashtag followers, notifications, your general home news feed. It's very very useful and yeah. quicker than Twitter. Uh, I find yeah getting out there so yeah is that yeah what I did really miss was beating you to uh, Albion goal today because there wasn't one <laughs> who won the race for the uh, for the Stoke goal that's the important one I don't know I think Steve Maybe we'll put Steve Maybe down for that one Steve, Ma- Steve Madeley wins, wins do you genuinely keep goals. tabs on being quicker than me I don't keep tabs on it but I take pride in the fact that I generally I'm quicker than you at it. Really? Yeah, because you put so many G's in the word goal. Oh. Go-go-go-go-go-go. <laughs> I'm excited. I know. Julia Howard asks, do you feel a part of Albion's problem is lack of leadership on the pitch? If we do somehow manage promotion, surely this will be crucial for the challenges ahead? Uh, I'm not sure about lack of leadership. I think Jake Livermore is a solid captain. I just, um, they might not be as vocal and, you know... I don't think you need to have 11 Ryan Shawcrosses to be leaders. Yeah. I mean that in the nicest way about Ryan Shawcross, but he is the most old school player that I can think of that is still playing in terms of that just don't care, massive tackles, you know, huge motivator. I don't think Carl Bartley remains so. I don't think they have to be that kind of player to mm. be a leader. Um, maybe Sam Johnston could be a little bit more vocal sometimes. Um, especially when you you consider what Foster was like, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they lack leaders at all. You know, you've got Barry and Brunt on the bench more often than not, and Brunt's one of them like an understated leader. Like, he might not be on the Austin. pitch, but he has a big impact. Yeah, he? Austin is. Uh, a I real think Kieran character. Gibbs is quite a good character off the field. From yeah. what, what I hear, I think I don't see any players there that are kind of shirking responsibility in in you know Furlong Townsend. Remain Sawyer's is intelligent. Like he, he, he won't he won't be shouting and screaming in the dressing room, but he'll talk. Mm. And what he'll say will matter. I think Livermore's a real leader in terms of like a more traditional I leader, maybe. And I don't, I just don't think they need 
screaming and shouting all the time. So is Gareth Barry, so is Chris Bunn. Austin, there's no doubt about it, he is a big, big personality, yeah. isn't he? Very big personality in yeah. the change room. Very experienced. I think Agazi's sort of quite commanding, isn't he? Yeah. I've, always, I've always kind of found Agazi quite hard to read, really, in terms of what he is like. Sometimes he looks like he could be kind of a gentle giant and very, very quiet. Because he doesn't deal with that all that much shouting and finger pointing on the pitch. But also equally, in an argument in the dressing room, you'd back him to stand his ground, wouldn't you? So, yeah. Um, uh, in terms of leadership, I don't know. Where, where would you have them? In the, cent- in the centre of midfield or the centre of defence or in goal? Also, when you talk Tough to Albion's players, I don't think any of them really are bad talkers, are they? Darnell Furlong, you talk to him, he's very he's an intelligent bloke, he mm. talks really, really well. Carl Bartley, who spoke to him the other day, talks really, really well. Shemi Ajayi talks really, really well. I just find them to be quite a dis- decent dressing room in, term- in, in, that, in, that, in that regard, just mm. in terms of uh, the personalities they've got. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a leadership issue. All right, a couple more because it's 17 minutes past one. Let's <laughs> finish at 25 and past. 25 past, we've got eight more minutes then. Um, Paddy asks, without Diangana and Pereira, are Albion a top six team? Mm. If they didn't have them from the start of the season? That is a superb question. I just I don't think much of the quality of the championship this season, really. So Neil Warnock's comments on that? Yeah, and part of me thinks that you might just be doing that. <clears throat> just a to be, just to be football's, football's answer to Piers Morgan, but yeah. I don't know whether he's just doing it to gain some kind of a reaction, but um, the thing is, would Norwich have run away, would Norwich of last season have run away with this league the way at the minute? Would they have been 10, 12 points clear at this stage? I don't think so. I'm not sure Sheffield United would be. Really? Mm. You've obviously going down, you know, down the years. You've got really, really successful teams like Newcastle and Wolves, and Manchester City going way back. They really stick out. But year on year, I mean, I don't really think was it when Bournemouth won the league. I think Burnley won. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What are Albion? What are Albion on for? Probably eighty something points. Mm. It might not be record highs, but. I'd like to think this team would be to, in and around the playoffs, even if they weren't in it. It's a boring answer, but if they didn't have those two players, they'd have other players. Yeah, wouldn't they? But they might not be as good as Dean Garner and Pereira. Yeah, because but they'd you have can't, players who fill those roles. The whole, Both, the whole season with Edwards and Kravinovic. You wouldn't do spots, that, would you? That just wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so I think they are. It begs the question, though: Where would Albion have been if you didn't get those deals over the line on deadline day in the summer? And they brought in Pereira, Dingana, and Austin, and I think they announced two of them after de- after the deadline had passed. That's so true. that's right. Yeah. You know, thank God that they did get those deals done. What you would say is they are hands down the best two players, and I, I'm a big fan of Livermore, big fan of Sawyer's, mm. but there's no doubt about it. Dingana and Pereira are the best players in the team. Lee Hickman's asked a question. Uh, I'm going to have to alter one of the words slightly. Uh, he just says, "Is what, what does it f- rhyme with?" Is what the fudge is going on an acceptable question? <laughs> I think we've answered that, haven't we? I well, just wanted to ask the question. That is a good question. Um, mouth, Hatfield. Yeah. I can't help myself, can I? Uh, last one, JB1878. Could we compare this run of form to Darren Moore's at a similar point last season? Um, this time last season? They certainly had a blip. 
They had a blip in November where they were absolutely hammered at. They were trying this really, just really, really bad three four three. Oh, ultimate pass it out from the back with Adam Gazi. And even Carl, <laughs> even Cole Bartley's come out since since that last season and said about how he regretted being on the left side of that back three. It was just painful. And they were well beaten at Wigan and Derby and Hull. And then, of course, they stumbled across that four at the back. Hurrah. <laughs> you can play four people at the back. I know. And hammered Leeds as a result. And then it looked absolutely great. And they went and had a fantastic run over Christmas, where I think they went about eight or nine, ten games unbeaten. And they had a bit of a blip, didn't they, around this time, I think. I'm trying to remember where those results were. Because it eventually led to Darren it was quite exit, an ab- it? Well, it was quite an abrupt halt, really, because that was March time. They lost to... They lost to Leeds, they were hammered by Leeds, and they lost here against Sheffield United. And then the failure to beat Ipswich... They drew with Ipswich. They drew with Ipswich, one who all. were one absolutely all? awful and going down. Yes, 1-1. And he was sacked on the back of those three games, really, because... The, the board got itchy, didn't they? They, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. got oh, very, very was, switchy. And they were it, like, he wasn't sacked because of those three games, but it was a combination of a number of other things. But... Yeah, I think they were they were the one they were the results that stand out. But I don't know. Six games. I'm trying to think when the last time Albi went six games without winning the championship. It wouldn't happen very often. Under Di Matteo, under Gary Meggs, under Tony Mowbray. They'd have all managed wins here and there mm. on their ways to promotion or the playoffs or whatever. <clears throat> the only thing with that is I will just say I do there is a lot of doom and gloom, but I do think you have to caveat it slightly in the sense that Everyone has predicted this bad run. Bilic has said from early days, there's a chance they will go on. They will, every team in the championship has this dip in form. He said, he said to the presser today, I think, that people at the club have told him, you will, when everything was going great, there will be a dip. Um, it does happen. It just does happen. So look, they, need to, they absolutely need to snap out of it. There's no doubt about it. It's very, very, it is concerning. It is worrying. But to think they were going to go through a 46-game season... And not have a little wobble. Um, it's just it's just not going to happen. I remember Wolves having a wobble when they went up. There was a little point. I was in the office giving it the big and saying, Cardiff, we're going to catch them. I can remember it. Um, because I, remember, they, I remember Villa beating them 4-1 at Villa Park. There you go. They had a wobble. Um, I remember sitting in a pub watching Cardiff absolutely just bottle it from the penalty Two spot. penalties in two minutes. Oh, Hoping yeah. against hope that they might get a point. Oh, they got another penalty. Oh, and they missed that one as well. <laughs> the run of form is incredibly concerning. They're definitely, they've definitely, definitely lost their spark. But they were going to have a blip. They were going to have a wobble at some stage. They've got a fantastic manager. They've got fantastic players. They're going to. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to make additions this month. You're going to come on. It's going to. I think it will be all right. I genuinely, genuinely think it's going to be all right. As long as Joe Massey tells me it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. They're probably going to lose to West Ham next week because Bilic is going to play a second string team and West Ham will play sort of a mix and match team of first team players. 96th minute equaliser to draw 1-1 at Cardiff and then the revolution begins. And then they're going to beat Cardiff at Cardiff then they're going to beat Luton here. They're going to win 6-0 against Luton. Or 6 hat yeah. Or 6 hat I just think... Or 6. That'll be the back, back page. Or 6. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> But just think, that's my point, just stay calm a little bit. Everyone's getting a little bit carried away. I know it's disappointing, I know it's been some poor performances, I know six games is a long time, but... It is massive, it's bonkers to think they're top of the league. Who the hell wants to get promoted anyway? They're all seeing VAR every week and thinking, nah, I can't be doing with it. Let's just drop a few points here and there. Can you remember, just, I'm rambling on that, yeah. but we were sat in this room a couple of, I don't know if it was, how long ago it was, 
But Bilic said it was a big gap. Can you remember he said it was a big gap, a lot of games? Yeah. Can you remember? I can't yeah, remember yeah. what he, exactly. He said, uh, he said, we're 10 points clear. They were 10 points clear at the time. And um, he said something along the lines of there were 25 games to go. And he reckoned that over 10, with the 10-point gap, how long was it going to take to claw back a 10-point gap? Yeah, that's what's that. He said 10 games. It'll take 10 games to overturn because we're going to have to have a rocky period. And they've lost two of the last 18 games, Albion. It just so happens that two of them arrived in the last four games. Yeah. But we're going to have to have a rocky period and basically Brentford, Fulham, Forest have to play out their skins to make that 10-point gap up. And they're going to have two and a half cracks at catching us. Now, I'm guessing that they've had one of those cracks and they've made up quite a substantial... Um, yeah. You know, uh, tally. So when he said it, I didn't like it. It's the first time. It's the only time I've listened to him. For a guy who doesn't like numbers, he never. He doesn't do maths. Doesn't like numbers. Doesn't look at league tables. How many points they've got, and how many goals they've scored, and how many. He he keeps saying, "I I don't pay too too much attention to the maths." Yeah. But he was doing a maths lesson there and then. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's why he doesn't do maths. Yeah. Because I was listening to thinking you can say it's ten games. But the truth is, it's three. Lose three games in a spin, and they win three, and you're caught. Yeah, which I I accepted there and then. That he obviously was wary that Albin probably aren't going to lose three in a row. Yeah. It would take some doing to Albin to lose three in a row. Now they've lost like two and four. Yeah, but yeah, maybe he didn't foresee this. I'm determined not to end this podcast on a negative no, note. So let's, no, no, no. What he also said though was that bearing in mind that you're also asking Brentford, Leeds, Fulham, Forest, everyone else to be absolutely foot to the fore. They're going to have bad periods now as well. Leeds played Brentford a couple of weeks. They're going to be points dropped there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I know Albion fans won't care too much about Leeds because as far as they're concerned, it's the playoff pack and we've got to keep that gap. But there'll be Albion fans all over the country giving giving it a little cheer on Saturday lunchtime when uh, Naki Wells ran the ball in with his hand. So, (laughs) yeah. They're going to be all right. We've decided here and there. They're going to be all right. They've got a wonderful manager. They've got a wonderful squad of players. They've dipped. They've definitely dipped. But they're going to freshen things up. The local press have spoken. A, with new players, and B, with a new system. I think he's going to change it. I think I'm right. How's that for 70 minutes of therapy, guys? I feel like I got a lot off my chest. It's fine. That does about does it, then? We've covered all bases. We've covered all bases. Every base covered. Joe, Joe, a pleasure. Luke, Luke, pleasure. (laughs) How, was, how, how did you find your appearance on the Express and Stars? Fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Can I embed it on my website? Is no. <laughs> no chance. Oh, no. <laughs> Local press. We'll get the Teams extra up. clicks, to be fair. Yeah, but we're, that's, what, that's what they care about. We're, 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 we're not bothered we'll, about We'll headline right? it better. We're about quality, generally. <laughs> you'll headline it with Leeds in it. <laughs> You've already said you're taking <laughs> don't West Brom are doing a Leeds. That's his thinking. <laughs> All right, then that just about does us. It's it's one twenty eight a.m. Um, we hope you enjoyed the baggage broadcast with Joe, Joe, and myself. Uh, but until next time, up the baggies.